Have you ever had a double or a lookalike? In the era of social media, having someone that looks like you could just be a fun coincidence. But Laura would have us believe otherwise. In the mythology of these twin strangers, tragedy could befall you if someone sees your double. Worse yet, seeing your own would mark your certain impending death. While the threat of being replaced by such an entity appears to be nothing more than a movie trope, should we all still fear the horrible possibilities of doppelgangers? Welcome to 13 Degrees of Screams, where we watch and dissect your favorite spooky movies. I'm your host, Alex. And Stephanie. And this is a mostly horror podcast. Each season, we will rank 13 movies on a scariness scale from, you guessed it, 1 to 13. We will uncover the real-life myths and legends that inspire these movies, and tell you just how authentic they are. This week, we go to the doctors in Dead Ringers. Stephanie. Yes. Have you seen Dead Ringers before we watched it for I, the podcast? I have not. <laughs> <laughs> Had you? <laughs> no, I never even heard of it. No. Where'd you find this movie? Uh, Tubi. I mean, like, when you were coming up with... Oh, oh, the, I just... <laughs> I watched it on Tubi. It's free. <laughs> it is free. <laughs> so I just searched doppelganger movies, and mm. I just kind of picked based on, like, what fit the description of a doppelganger, because sometimes it can be, like, weird, like, just minor doppelganger situations mm-hmm. or or twin stuff. and Twin stuff. Sometimes there's twin stuff. This was, tw- this was twin stuff. <laughs> yeah. Did you like it? It was all right, I guess. I, it was all right? Mm-hmm. This is, um, How'd you feel about it? I don't know. Like, I feel like it was fine. Just like, a meh. Yeah, I didn't hate it. I felt kind of sad at the end. Yeah. Like, I felt bad for what had happened. Yeah. And was, then I kind of felt like they were constantly trying to, like, shift blame on, like, one twin is bad and one twin isn't. Mm-hmm. Oh, for the, sure, at the beginning. Yeah. Well, and then towards the end, too. And then you're like, oh, I guess. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, one kind of loses it halfway through. Mm-hmm. And then the other one that was bad to begin with is also losing it. Yeah. I was kind of confused. Well, we'll get there when we get to the plot, so I won't go too far. But we had this rated as a six on the scale. Yeah. It wasn't really scary. It was more drama-y. Dramatic. Uh, dram- yeah, that's the word. Drama-y. Uh, dramatic. <laughs> it, it wasn't really a horror movie, per se. Yeah. But. I mean, it was dark a little bit at times. Oh, with, yeah. Like the tools. Oh yeah, that was more disturbing than anything <laughs> else. I was like, "That's that looks like an organic <laughs> machine thing." Yeah, honestly, like the opening title reminds me of my Sweeney Todd shirt. Because are it, you wearing it right now? Yeah. So oh so yeah, I had background like weird... background information. Uh, Charlie and I went to Sweeney Todd on Broadway, and I got a shirt, and it has like a lot of little. Like instruments of torture and stuff. From... Just little instruments of torture. <laughs> Just a few. <laughs> NBD. Yeah, but it was sort of similar in the background when they opened up the movie because it was just kind of like a bunch of instruments laying on a table and it mm-hmm. was all like a red screen and I don't know, it just reminded me of that. Yeah. This was like the first movie I watched in our next batch of movies and I forgot about that tr- title. Yeah, it was weird. They're just like showing. Because some of it was illustrative, wasn't it? Like, like Yeah, they were like illustrated drawn. pictures of the instruments. Like, what does that do? <laughs> I don't want to know. I don't want to know. <laughs> mm. yeah, no. 
But yeah, I thought it was all right. I think at first I was like, okay, what's going on? Also, it's a David Cronenberg movie. Oh. Your favorite, favorite oh, guy. Okay. But maybe maybe Matt suggested this one then and I didn't have to actually look it up. <laughs> Matt suggests all our Cronenberg ones. Oh, really? I feel like he has. Makes sense. But it wasn't like it wasn't like a video drone. No. Or something. Not. This was way more I, I wanna say like normal. Yeah. This was the most normal. <laughs> there was really only one weird scene of any type of body horror, and it was a dream anyways. Yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah, that was icky. Yeah, it was, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Are we doing this the rest of the movie? But no, it was fine. It was just that one scene. Just one. <laughs> I thought we were about to start heading into that territory, and I'm like, I am not prepared for and this. what if they all did an, an orgy with, <laughs> with oh. nipple sausage? That <laughs> was his son, to be <laughs> I, fair. I know, but still, it felt like that. <laughs> <laughs> nipple sausage. All right. I think we've podcasted enough for today. Yeah. I'll just pack up. <laughs> Once we start talking about nipple sausage, I think I'm good. That's fair. Are you ready to hear some background on the movie? Yeah, sure. So Dead Ringers is a 1988 psychological thriller film starring Jeremy Irons as a dual role of identical twin gynecologists. David Cronenberg directed and co-wrote the screenplay with Norman Snyder. Their script was based on the lives of Stuart and Cyril Marcus and on the novel Twins by Barry Wood and Jack Geesland. It's a highly fictionalized version of the Marcus's story. Really? Okay. Yeah. And we'll go into that later. Okay. Oh, I'm boy. excited. <laughs> <laughs> the film won numerous honors, including for Iron's performance and 10 Genie Awards, notably Best Motion Picture. Toronto International Film Festival critics have ranked it among the top 10 Canadian films of all time. Oh. Yeah. It wasn't, I mean, it wasn't that good. Yeah. I don't know what... Can- they were crazy about it. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know what Canada's pumping out. But yeah, I guess at the time, maybe. At the time, they were like, this is great. (laughs) In his DVD commentary, Irons claimed that Robert De Niro actually declined playing the mantles due to his unease with the subject matter and portraying (laughs) gynecologists, while William Hurt decided to reject the part because it is hard enough to play one role. So Robert De Niro might might have played this role. Hmm. He was up, up for it, I guess. Interesting. But we got the voice actor of Scar. Yeah. I, t- I do like Scar. And I was like, oh, Stephanie's going to love this. He's, he's a Lion King. <laughs> he is. I, I, I would have never guessed. People paid for the chance of a lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. We're just going to go into all the Lion King songs now? Uh, only Scars. <laughs> That's fair. Just sprinkle it in as we talk about the plot. Oh, yeah. Just line by line. <laughs> On August 18th in 2020, Amazon Prime placed a straight-to-series order for a television adaptation of Dead Ringers. And it actually stars Rachel Weiss. She plays the twins. They changed their role to female. Hmm. So she's playing the twins. Oh. She's the Evelyn or Evie from Mummy. That's what I know her from. Oh. Oh, I can't picture her face, but I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. So they just recently had a six-episode miniseries. It actually just premiered this year on April 21st. Oh, fun. So if you wanted to revisit the story, but a little different. I don't know if I'd, like, want to revisit. Yeah. I mean, it was fine, but I don't know if I'd seek out, like, ooh, need to know more about this whole situation. Like, Yeah, especially six episodes worth. Yeah, no. Two hours was good enough, I think. Yeah. 
On Rotten Tomatoes, the film has an approval rating of 85% based on 46 reviews and an average rating of 7.7 out of 10. The website's critical consensus reads, Dead Ringers serves up a double dose of Jeremy Irons in service of a devilishly unsettling concept and commandingly creepy work from director David Cronenberg. According to Metacritic, the film received a weighted score of 86 out of 100, indicating universal acclaim. I don't know. In the 80s, they were just like, give me this movie, apparently. <laughs> like, I mean, not I, almost. It wasn't 100 or in the 90s. They were like, yeah, <laughs> we didn't know we wanted this, but we wanted it. Mm-hmm. They weren't like clamoring for it, but they're happy it happened. But still, like 86 out of 100 was like similar to how Metacritic displayed us, right? Probably. I mean, I know it's different audiences and stuff, but I feel like it was somewhere in the 80s to 100. Yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. I don't Like, it wasn't bad. I think it's worth a watch. It is unsettling. So. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't bad. We've definitely watched way, way worse. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Definitely, definitely better than Videodrome. <laughs> you know, we're going to be on season, like, 30. And you'll be like, at least it wasn't Videodrome. <laughs> 87 years old doing the podcast. No, I hate video drone. <laughs> That's going to be the last thing you say on this earth on your deathbed. They're like, at least my life wasn't like video drone. <laughs> what a mystery to send my family into. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, why does she, what happened to her? Why does she keep talking about video drone? They're going to think it's real. Yes. <laughs> like, it's actually happening. Would you like to hear about the plot? Yes. We follow twin boys, Elliot and Beverly Mantle. Through several decades as children, they shared a love of scientific experiments. In their undergrad, they developed a new tool to be used in gynecological exams. And in present day, they are successful gynecologists running their own practice out of Toronto that specializes in treating fertility problems. I know we kind of talk about the fact his name's Beverly, but that confused the hell out of me at first. Yeah. It's like, who's Beverly? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, it's the other twin. It's not a typical male name. No. And, like, the woman that they're seeing points it out at one point, too. And I was like, yeah. Can we have a story? No. He's like, well, shut it down. Yeah. Just Beverly. (laughs) Well, I don't know if you talk about it, but she's like, did your mom secretly want a girl or something? And he was, like, not having this conversation. He was mad. He was was pissed. Yeah. But it was interesting. We learn from the flashbacks and throughout the movie that the twins often pose as the other when it suits their needs. Elliot is the more confident one of the two, so he often gives speeches and treats patients directly, while Beverly is an introvert that prefers to stick to the research end of their line of work. That'd be me. I'd be Beverly in this situation. Yeah, I don't well, think I'd want to like go and accept awards or anything. Just... Mom, well, I don't actually, now that you say that out loud, maybe I would. I'd be like, oh, me. I live for the applause. Live for the applause. I want to Live for the applause. I'm done. There's going to be a lot of singing this episode. What else is new? I feel like every time we record, there's something coming out yes. of this. This switching back and forth scenario isn't only when it comes to their job, but with women they're seeing as well. Elliot often seduces those that come to their clinic and then passes them on to Bev when he grows bored of them. Mm-mm. Icky. Icky, but also if I were Bev in that situation, like that would stress me out so much. Like, what did we talk about? Like, what <laughs> happened? Like, I have to pretend to know? Yeah. With I, someone you never met before, really? And just constantly? Because it's like when you meet someone, you're like you grow that attachment or like you get to know that other person. So then if you're just like, they think you're the same person, 
they have that rapport with you, and but you don't have it with them, right? Which is bizarre to think about because then, like, one person has this very lopsided <laughs> view. I, yeah, I guess it's because like Elliot kind of like lays the groundwork of like the getting to know you stage and stuff like that, and then you know gets what he wants out of the deal, and then you know you've already laid that groundwork, so Bev can just kind of go in and be like, "Yeah, I'm Elliot." Let's- <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> it would be a whole lot. Definitely not a twin brother. No. <laughs> when actress Claire Neville comes to their clinic to be treated for her infertility, the twins determine that she has a trifurcated uterus, making her unlikely to have children. Afterwards, intrigued by her personality and medical condition, Elliot seduces Claire and then encourages Beverly to do the same. However, once Beverly does, he becomes emotionally attached to Claire, which causes tension between the twins. How do you feel about Claire? I think she's an odd person. <laughs> okay. Okay. It wasn't just me then. I was very confused by her personality. I was also like, not saying like she's mean or weird. Like, I don't know. I just couldn't understand like why they were both like, yeah, Claire, that'll be the person. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, I think Elliot was like, yeah, she was fun. Your turn. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why Bev was like, yeah. <laughs> she, what's the word? Like. She's just a very different kind of person. Like, I couldn't yeah. really pinpoint her, compare her to anybody. Like, Yeah, she did something in the movie. I was like, that was not nice to say or do. Yeah. I forgot what specifically it was. I know what you mean. She, especially in the beginning, I don't know if she had, like, a different note from the director or, like, we find out eventually that they are abusing drugs, or at least her and Beverly. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if, like, her personality was influenced by such drugs because like it seemed like it was like flipping back and forth a lot like Mm -hmm. one moment she'd be like oh i just so badly want a baby but no i want to be railed right here like tied up to this bed (laughs) yeah like i guess like i mean whatever floats your boat claire but she just kind of scared me Mm -hmm. (laughs) scary i'm just she was just like a very like assertive that's the word and but even intense in different ways (laughs) yeah like that was too much for me yeah So, Beverly's personality begins to shift as he and Claire become more involved and start taking pills together, aided by his authority as a doctor to provide the prescriptions. Mm. Then Claire visits an old friend who tells her about the Mantle twins, and she realizes that they've been taking advantage of her. She confronts the two at a restaurant, noting Elliot is the psychopath for pushing all the women he sleeps with onto his emotionally stunted brother, and eventually forgives Beverly's part in the deception. And start seeing him exclusively. Uh, emotionally stunted. Thanks, Claire. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of how she does. She just tells it how it is. She's like, yeah, you're the psycho. Like, I mean, I'm on her side this, for no, this moment. No, uh, it was fair. I was like, yeah, what they're doing is not okay. Yeah, and then all. Elliot just continues it. Oh, yeah, Elliot doesn't give a shit. Nah. He's like, yeah, so what are you going to yeah, do about I'm it? I'm going to go do it with somebody else now. Bev is distraught. He's like, oh, my God. Because yeah, at this point, he like really... Has feelings for her. Right. While in her trailer on set, Elliot meets with Claire to discuss her relationship with Beverly and his newfound drug abuse. But Elliot simply says their whole dynamic would be a lot easier if she had feelings for both of them. And she refuses. What? Yeah, Elliot's constantly trying to, like, push a three-way relationship with basically whoever else they can get to be in the third party. Yeah. It's kink. It's, yeah. I was like, what? What I would say so. (laughs) I mean... I don't know. I don't want to say anything weird about twins, but I was like, dude. I mean, either way, it's still incest. It's your brother. Oh, like, yeah. No, it's very, very incest. Yeah. <laughs> very, it's, if it's, anything, it's more. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe he's just so into himself. 
Then Maybe. Like, I mean, they Maybe. look exactly. Honestly, a lot of the time in the movie, sometimes, well, not a lot, but sometimes in the movie, I had a hard time. I'm like, wait, which one is that? Right. Especially towards the end. I had to remind it because I'm like, what did I miss? Yeah. I mean, it's the same dude. The only thing you could tell them apart, kind of, is their hair was done a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Bev had like more like forward and down, yeah. and then Elliot had more pushed back. That was like literally the only way I was able to tell them apart sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes like they're, especially once like Beverly starts to kind of like unravel, it was easier oh, to tell them yeah, apart. For sure. But then once like it really goes downhill, then you're like, okay, who's who though? <laughs> <laughs> right. What, which one is this? Or then sometimes I'll just be like waiting for them to mention the other's name and I'll be like, ah. There we go. Like five minutes into the scene where, yeah, yeah. it's like, um, whatever. They're both the same at this point. Mm-hmm. Eventually, Claire has to leave town for a while to shoot another film. And Bev, believing she's having an affair while she's away, continues to spiral downwards. He continues abusing prescription drugs, becoming an addict, and starts having paranoid delusions about mutant women with abnormal genitalia. Oh, my God. <laughs> he kept calling with these, uh, all these women mutants. I know. And he, like, liked it. He's like, Mutant women. Yeah. And it was such a weird thing. I, I don't know how he figured out that, or he thought, figured out that she was having an affair. But he calls, like... Her assistant. Her assistant, which he thinks is the person she's having the affair with. And he's like, did you know she has a a tri-fur... <laughs> a tri A tri A tri A tri vagina. <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> and tells him to like go ahead and you know like discover for yourself you'll know and then you'll know she's different like what kind of conversation is that like <laughs> oh, no. first of all her assistant is shocked yes and appalled right and we also, find out when she comes back she's like yeah you just scared this gay man <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean in the moment you knew he was yeah. horrified right oh my god yeah he was like i don't know i guess it was the pills that were doing it but he was just like He's, like, obsessed Constant, with it. Yeah. Constantly, like, trying to see what she's doing. hmm In other scenes throughout the movie, we focus on Elliot, who hires twin call girls and requests that each of them refer to him as one of the Mantle brothers in one scene and seduces a co-worker in the other and tries to convince Beverly to engage in a threesome with them to no avail. And even at the end of this weird <laughs> scene, too, where he's with this co-worker, Beverly collapses probably because, you know, he's high. And she's like, oh, no, Beverly, I'll go save you and start giving him CPR. And, mm-hmm. like, that's a justified thing to do in this scenario. Yeah. Elliot, like, pushes her hard away from him. And he's like, he's my brother. And he does it. And I'm like. Well, at first, no one did anything. They yeah, were just they were just staring at him. and Passed then... out on the patio. Like, didn't <laughs> someone going to do something? And then he got mad. Yeah. She was trying to save him. <laughs> All right. It, it's just weird, like this weird connection that they have. It's maybe we should watch the series just to understand what they're all doing. Like, I don't know. I don't know if it had any answers, but eh, maybe just more questions, honestly. Yeah. Later on, Beverly gives a gynecological exam with a tool that should only be used internally, like during surgeries. Mm-hmm. He goes to Elliot to complain about the woman telling him it was causing her pain during the exam. And it's like a pride thing because, like, he's custom made this special tool and they're like the most prestigious doctors in toronto for now yeah (laughs) (laughs) but elliot points out his error and bev just kind of says crazily no it's because their bodies are abnormal it's nothing (laughs) wrong with my stuff it's them they're bad (laughs) they're mutant women yeah i had a dollar for every time he said it right 
He then seeks out a metal engineer, artist, Ander Wallach, and pays for a bizarre set of gynecological tools to specifically treat mutant women. This dude is an artist. Like, mm-hmm. he's not anything to do with medical. He's just like, oh. He's like, like, man, don't you go through, like, a company? Like, don't you have to get these, like, I don't know, certified or something? Yeah. <laughs> no, just have this artist do them. He's like, I need them right away. <laughs> okay, sir. Yeah, they're, they're so weird looking because they look almost, like, organic, like, one looks like a finger, like, and they're like crude. So One weird. of them has like a weird string attached, like, <laughs> yeah. or like a metal pulley kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know. It looks like weird scissors or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're definitely intimidating to look at and confusing, to be honest. Yeah, he. Soon prepares to operate on a woman with one of Wallach's tools as his horrified surgical team looks on, but still intoxicated, he drops the tools on the ground. He then collapses on top of the patient and inhales from her gas mask. Both brothers are immediately suspended from practice and put on administrative leave by the hospital board. And I wasn't sure exactly why Elliot was also suspended. Like, he's constantly spiraling after this point. Like, whatever happens to Beverly happens to him. Yeah, maybe it's just because they practice together. I know, like, a lot of the research was mostly what Beverly had done. So Mm -hmm. I don't know if he felt kind of inadequate in that sense to continue on on his own. But I don't know. But I know also, like, he did go to try to, like, plead their case to the board. And I think he tried to impersonate Beverly at the time. And they saw through it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're like, um, no. Let's try. Mm -hmm. And with both their careers in shambles, Elliot attempts to detox Beverly by locking him in the clinic and starts taking pills as well to synchronize with Beverly. When he said that, I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? What do you mean? He said something crazy about, like, everything that goes into his blood system goes into mine. And he tells this coworker that he was seeing this. And she's like, no. Literally, (laughs) if you take the pills, that's what goes into your blood system. Don't do it. No, don't do that. You have two separate bodies. I know you guys look exactly the same, but you are different. Mm -hmm. And, uh, like... They're so he's trying to detox Beverly, but at the same time, he's like, Let me take pills to so I can catch up with him. (laughs) Yeah, so it was his plan to like kind of accelerate to get to his point and then both detox together. I I don't know what he was doing, I have no idea. It just didn't seem to make any sense at that point. No, it did not. When Claire returns from filming, Beverly sneaks out to meet with her. She clears up his concerns of her having an affair. And Bev finally seems to gain sobriety for the first time in a while. I was so confused because he, like, meets her at her place or something. Mm Mm-hmm. And, well, back up, he steals those tools out of the front window of the artists who made them, like, front. Yeah, he had a second copy made or something to, like, present them as, like, an art piece. Which is what they— Also weird. (laughs) Yeah, so he takes them, which was besides the point. I just thought that was very bizarre. And then he goes there, and then he's, like, frantic, and he's like, more pills. And then we cut to him. I think time had passed. but Yeah, if, I thought it's, he spent the night with her or something, and he sort of seemed to calm down. I don't know what they had done or what. Yeah, I'm thinking it was, like, a week or something, because there's no way. Because the very next scene, he's, like, awake and totally normal. Yeah. And I was, like, I was so confused. I'm like, wait, is that Bev, or did Elliot come to What the? No. So he's sober all of a sudden. He's fine. Right. Claire fixed him. I guess so. She had the right cocktail of what to give him. I don't know. Which is crazy because if she was on the same pills, she's like totally fine. Well, I think she was done with them by the time she got back from filming. 
Because she said it was like hazard of the job or something. So I think she was taking them more recreationally and she probably wasn't as addicted. Yeah. But I don't know. But she wasn't taking them when when she came back to town and did that. Yeah. When he returns to the clinic, it's a wreck and he finds Elliot despondent and intoxicated. Their roles become reversed as Bev cares for him. They take drugs together and they celebrate a mock birthday. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Realizing that he's holding Bev back from having his own life, Elliot volunteers to be killed and they compare themselves to the first known conjoined twins, Chang and Ang Bunker, who are conjoined at the chest. And when sickly Chang died in his sleep, Ang died of shock when he realized that Chang had died. And I'm like, you guys were never connected, though, like <laughs> physically. Right. You are separate entities. But emotionally, they are. They might as well be. They might as well, yeah. Yeah. Bev then disembowels Elliot with one of the Wallach tools and realizes the next morning that he killed him in their drug-induced delirium. In a daze, Bev pulls himself together and goes out to a payphone to call Claire, but doesn't respond when she answers. He silently leaves the phone and returns to Elliot's body and dies in his arms. And that's the end. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck? I know. <laughs> the la- like seriously, when so like when Bev returns to the apartment is completely trash and Elliot's like in the shower, clothes on. Mm-hmm. And this is the part where I had to rewind because I thought Elliot came in and found Bev like that again. Yeah. I hadn't realized initially that they swapped places. Mm-hmm. And then at one point they're like walking like slowly. They're like in miming sync each, with other. each other. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, what the hell? Like Bev was fine two scenes ago, mm-hmm. and we're back here in a matter of, like, five minutes. Right. I don't know. Like, and I'm still kind of confused with, like, Bev's, like, temporary sobriety to, like, full-on drug-induced delirium. and To where he kills his brother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's why I was very confused towards the end. I thought the end was kind of rushed. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, they both fucking kick it at the end. I, I was like, yeah, wow. Yeah, I guess because they can't live without each other. But, God. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I could have been other ways we could have all dealt with this. I <laughs> know. I was really hoping, like, not that I was hoping either of them died, but like Elliot would have like bit it, and mm-hmm. then Bev would have gotten out of it. Realized he could be his own person. Yeah. yeah. No. I thought too, like, since Claire was not doing drugs, was because maybe she was pregnant too, or oh yeah, because like the whole uh, just because the fertility thing kept coming up, so. Or at least in the beginning. Yeah, so it would have been like a surprise, like, hey, she yeah. actually got pregnant. Mm-hmm. She's a mutant. <laughs> <laughs> She's a mutant. She has, didn't she ask if she could have, like, triplets or something yeah. because of it? I'm like, that's, no. No, honey, no. <laughs> <laughs> not quite. No. He's like, that's not how it works. Yeah. <laughs> and that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, that was that. Are you ready to hear about the real life story of Stuart and Cyril Marcus? I'm honestly kind of scared, but yeah, you, yeah just tell me. Okay, okay. Well. <laughs> so a lot of this info I got from the article titled The Strange Death of Twin Gynecologist Stuart and Cyril Marcus. Very to the point. Mm-hmm. So the article states, on July 19th in 1975, building handyman Bill Terrell was responding to complaints of a foul odor coming from the 10th floor behind a locked apartment at 460 East 63rd Street <laughs> and York Avenue in New York City. He discovered the bodies of Dr. Cyril Marcus and his twin brother, Dr. Stuart Marcus. At first reported in the New York Daily News, Cyril was lying face down on the bed in a pair of shorts. Stuart's body was found on the floor in another room near the identical matching bed, lying face up and completely naked. 
Mm. So very similar kind of to what happened in the movie. Yeah. The handyman told police the place was disheveled with large amount of cash scattered throughout the apartment. This later turned out to amount to approximately $22, though there were no signs of struggle. One of the arm- $22, though, for a large amount of cash? Uh, they were in, like, uh, pennies. This <laughs> is, like, funny. Yeah, I don't know. Well, this was the 70s. Yeah, maybe. Okay. I don't know. Sorry. Go ahead. No, this is what the article said, so I don't know. Large amount of cash being $22, mm-hmm. maybe back in the day. Today, they ain't shit. But, yeah, there were no signs of struggle. Uh, one of the armchairs was covered in human excrement. There were... Conflicting reports of both brothers living in a posh Upper East Side apartment, but the doorman said it was Cyril's place and only he had lived there. The twins were just 40 years old at the time, and after 30 chemical tests, they could not find a cause of the death. Oh, no. Yeah, right? Despite reports that their apartment was littered with rubbish, including liquor and prescription drug bottles, by one report there were over 100 of those bottles, there were no traces of alcohol, barbiturates, narcotics, or depressants in their system at the time of death. I know. I don't know. I no one knows. It's the mystery. Oh, okay. but like they very similarly to Bev and Elliot, they yeah. had a steady decline right. and abused a lot of drugs and stuff yeah. as found in their apartment. I see. Over the years before death, they were noted to have been looking worn down, skinny, and disheveled, along with having emotional problems. A 10th floor neighbor at their Sutton Terrace apartment put it more bluntly, they were pretty weird. So, yeah, I would say. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so this is an interesting part. In the fall of 1975, Linda Wolf wrote an article for New York Magazine called The Strained Death of the Twin Gynecologist. Wolf had once been a patient of Stuart Marcus. She had experienced firsthand the doctor's odd behavior. During one visit, Stuart Marcus began to shout and scream at Wolf until her husband intervened and the couple stormed out of the office. Damn. I know. And she continued to see him? I hope not. Uh, I don't know. She said one, she... one appointment, like as if like there was others, but maybe that maybe was the Maybe this last was like one. towards the end. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't like read like her actual article. This was like an article within an article mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. discussing her history with it. I started reading it, but it is available online, her original article. Oh. And it kind of goes through her experience with it. Over a few years before their deaths, around 1974, their once-crowded waiting room had emptied. Their office grew dirty, the rent went unpaid, and the brothers' speech started to slur. Mm. After Stewart's death, the doorman of the apartment had an encounter with Cyril. The younger twin appeared to be trying to escape, making his way out of the building. So it was found that Stewart died actually like a day or two before Cyril. Oh. So it looked like he was trying to escape in the time where Stuart had died and when Cyril died. The doorman noticed Cyril's disorientation and frailty and offered to help. Cyril curtly brushed him aside and said, I can manage on my own. But once out in the street, he quickly retreated back into the apartment. Back with Stuart, Cyril left a kind of suicide note. He placed a copy of the Iris Murdoch novel, A Fairly Honorable Defeat, face down in the middle of one of the rooms. The book is about two brothers and a mischievous and satanic figure named Julius who makes a bet that he could break up the relationship between a homosexual couple. Oh. Yeah. So yeah, that makes sense. Thanks. I know. That really That really put it together for us. <laughs> <laughs> they were secret lovers. Uh, in tw- I don't know. It, maybe. It's very bizarre. That's what the article said. Rather not, that's like true. Mm-hmm. This was the only account I found of that. Other than medical works, it was the only book found in the apartment. 
After placing the book, Cyril appeared to have simply lied down and waited to die. Well, damn. I know. <laughs> I'm like, damn, it's not good. Mm-mm. I'm just so curious. Like, what the, what happened? What was happening? Yeah. I don't know. If there were no drugs in their system. Right. That's the weirdest part. Unless they just didn't know what to test for. But they did 30 tests. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Wolf ended her New York Magazine piece by stating, Many people I spoke with after the twins died felt that there was something mystical about Cyril's behavior and suggested that he had been, in effect, almost drawn against his will to share his brother's fate. But mysticism is unnecessary in the case of the Marcus brothers. The explanation for their nearly simultaneous death lies in the extraordinary attachment they felt toward one another and the extraordinary disregard they felt for the world of singletons. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, they were kind of cocky and just they did not really care about other people. They thought they were better yeah. than everyone. No, which is that was kind of Elliot's perspective throughout the movie. Like, there's them and then there's us, and obviously it's us. Like, yeah, and based on what I read, that seemed to be pretty similar to how, how they viewed themselves. So that's what I have about the, the curious case about the twin gynecologist who died. That's very weird. I know whole thing <laughs> i just i want to i want to know so bad what happened but then yeah. it's inconclusive they don't know i wonder if they had like a weirdly incestual relationship like the mantle brothers in the movie or if that was just kind of like taken from the scenario mm-hmm. or what but yeah in the movie it's it's not like overt and like i wouldn't even say outside of like elliot wanting to be in a threesome I don't know. It's not like they were actually like together together, but he did have some incestuous ideals. Like that was a desire he had, Mm -hmm. but it was never really acted on on from at least what we saw. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I I mean, I'm not a twin, so I don't know. So any twin out there, like (laughs) how intense is your like, no, I'm just curious, (laughs) like having someone so close to you. Like, like yeah, yeah, I don't know. Like I imagine it must be like an extension of yourself. So that's why they feel so comfortable with each other that way. But mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say because I'm just a singleton. <laughs> I'm just a singleton. I'm not no Marcus no. or uh, Cyril Marcus. That's a cool name though. Mm-hmm. Cyril. And then Stuart. Not so much. Yeah. <laughs> Lost all the creativity after Cyril. <laughs> Beverly though. Oh, yeah. So weird. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show and listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, giving us a five-star rating is super helpful, and we will always appreciate it. You can follow us on social media at 13 Degrees of Screams. This has been 13 Degrees of Screams, and we will see you next week. Be prepared for the chance of a lifetime. Be prepared for some slayers and all. <laughs> you already used this one. A chopping to is tiptoeing near the... <laughs> okay, sorry. No, you're fine. Do the whole song. Oh, and where do we feature? Well, <laughs> listen to teacher. <laughs> I know it sounds shorted, but you'll be rewarded. I'm cutting you <laughs> off. That's fair. <laughs>